0: I'm Jim Brown your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries I'm talking to you what some people think is one of the most difficult subjects in the Bible and it's really not if you define everything I I keep telling people the book of Revelation is one of my favorite books to teach All these so-called prophecy teachers that teach on Revelation usually don't know anything about what it's about. And if people like uh, Hal Lindsay and Jack Van Ampey, they did not know. Revelation is a Jewish book. You've got the seven golden candlesticks in the first chapter. You think maybe that came out of Exodus, the 25th chapter? You have to look to the old testament to find out what the answers are and you're going to see that tonight i've got a title up on the board the 70th week that's what people think the 69 weeks a lot of people think they follow it follows right immediately that the 70th week follows right after the 69 weeks there's no way it can follow after the 69 weeks the sixty nine weeks or four hundred and eighty three years that starts at the going forth the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. This is Daniel nine twenty five. From the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince, unto Jesus day. You can look at Luke, the nineteenth chapter, when he comes into Jerusalem and presents himself as the king of the Jews. Four days later they take him and they crucify him as a Passover lamb. Now that was all in God's program. The The decree to restore and build Jerusalem started in, in uh, Nehemiah the second chapter. Nehemiah the second chapter was approximately 444-445 B.C. That's when it was approximately. Now, people want to fight over when that was, when it started. The way we're going to approach the 70th week, it shows that it is separated up to the end of time. And there's some facts that shows you that it's separated. The 70th week of Daniel comes at the time of the two witnesses and that's in revelation 11 and and that is at the end of time it's separated from the 69 weeks by a 2,000 year period so far 2,000 years I believe that's the from Acts 2 that's around 33 jesus is approximately 33 years old some people say he was 35 years old approximately 33 to 35 a.d and they say that if if the days of the lord is a thousand years a thousand years from 33 a.d would be 2033 a.d i'm not saying he's going to come in 2033 I just say that's very amazing that that measures out to that. What I want to do is show you some things about what the Bible says about the end of time. This would be the 70th week. 70th week. It's divided into two parts. The first three and a half years, three and a half years, will be a time of peace they're trying to declare peace throughout the world right now and the last three and a half years the church will go under such persecution as the world has never known and you may have to die for your belief i can't i can't even spell what i'm talking persecution p-e-r-s-e-s-e-c-u-t-i-o-n they will tell people like me, you are, you're giving a cease and desist order, and we want you to stop saying the things you're saying. This division is always spoken of as a thousand, a thousand, a thousand, two hundred. And three score days. That's exactly half, one half of seven years on a three hundred and sixty day Jewish calendar. That's exactly half of that. Or we'll speak of it as 42 months. That's easy. 42 months. Every time you see that in the Bible, it's talking about the very last half of the 70th week. 42 months is exactly a half of 84 months, which is seven years on a Jewish calendar. Or it will mention it as a time, times, and half a times, half a times. Or it will say a time, time, and half a times. Or it will say a time, time, and the dividing of times, which would be three and a half years it will say three and a half days referring to these weeks of years and calling three and a half days referring to three and a half years which is half of the 70th week now I'm going to show you how this ties together And it will set time, time half a times, twelve hundred sixty days, or it will be one of these right here. Now, I want you to turn your Bible to the eleventh chapter of Revelation. You're going to find the actually the timing on this is going to be the time of the two witnesses at the end of time. Now. Chapter 11, Revelation, verse 1. There was given to me a reed like unto a rod. I've read that before. A reed, the word reed, Kalamos, K-A-L-A-M-O-S. K-A-L-A-M-O-S, and that Means a plant or a pen or a stem they would write with plant stems like a rod and the angel stood saying rise and measure the temple of God ah the temple what would the temple be at this point in time the temple in the Old Testament let me erase this over here you can remember all this because I'm going to bring it up several times. The temple in the Old Testament was the Jewish temple. That's where the priests came in. They did all of their rituals with the Ark of the Covenant. The high priests would go in once a year and sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant. They offered all of their sacrifices on this brazen altar everything inside was beaten gold the candlesticks the altar the the showbread table of showbread the altar of incense these were beaten gold and these two out here the brazen sea and the brazen altar were of brass some say it was copper we don't really know but anyway it's called brass and But remember, Colossians 2.14 says, blotting out all the ordinances of the Old Testament, and the scripture says that the blood of bulls and goats will not take away sin in Hebrews 10 and 1, and that everything over here, had become spiritual, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, rituals, all the rituals were blotted out, that's why I don't believe in any rituals, not of the pagans or anything, not Christmas or Easter, any of it, we are in a spiritual Passover, we're in a spiritual day of atonement, we're in a spiritual Pentecost, and the Bible specifically states that, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us it was contrary to us took the ordinances the rituals of the temple here out of the way nailing it to his cross if everything is spiritual where is the temple now well let's look at it real quick like. hold your place there in Revelation 11 and look over here at First Corinthians the Wait a minute here, hold on. I'm flipped over. I gotta all right look here in First Corinthians the second chapter. Hold on. Wait for me. First Corinthians the second chapter. I'm well not second chapter. Third chapter. And verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, Corinthians, church, and then look over here, in in 1 Corinthians 6, and verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple, of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, you are bought with a price, so, the temple is us, and Christ lives in us in the form of the Holy Spirit. He writes upon fleshy tables of our heart. They wrote on tables of stone in the Old Testament. Now He writes on fleshy tables of our heart in Second Corinthians, the third chapter, and in the eighth and ninth and tenth chapters of First Corinthians. Now let's get back over here to the eleventh chapter, verse one. There was given to me a reed like unto a rod. What do you, you? This is a measuring reed. It's used to measure things with. Saying, "Rise and measure the temple of God." What temple is he measuring? He's measuring us. What's he measuring? To see who's in the temple. All right. If you measure a boundary line, what do you measure? The boundary line of the temple. Now. Boundary line would be the horizo. Remember, prohorizo is the word predestinate. And horizo means to bound. And horizo is our word horizon. It's our word horizon. It means to bound inside the light. And everything that in the, was in the temple had to do with the light, or with the truth. In fact, in fact, the word, the word, the word Zion means sunny, where the light shines. Sunny. Now let's keep reading here. But i got to give you something. I can't just read this and stay on this without giving you a reference. Go back to Zechariah the second chapter. Zechariah is right at the end of the Old Testament. It's right before Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Now let me read this Let me read. There was given to me a reed like a rod, and the angels stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and then worship there. And listen to verse 1 of Zechariah 2. I lifted up mine eyes, and again, and lo, behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand, and said, I whither whither goest thou? And he said unto me, To measure Jerusalem to see where is the breadth thereof and what is the length thereof what are we now are we not heavenly Jerusalem the church there in Hebrews the ninth chapter that's what we are so when you see these pictures you're going to see very abstract or figurative language that's what you're looking at now let's keep reading but the court which is outside the temple leave out this is a spiritual picture because what was outside the temple was a section that had been built and added to it it was called the temple of the gentiles and the gentiles were not allowed in the temple proper the temple was inside this enclosed area, like so. It was enclosed, like that. And the Gentiles couldn't come in. So, what he's saying spiritually, these, the Gentiles are not allowed into this temple of God. And the Gentiles were the pagans so let's keep reading but the court which is without the temple or outside the temple leave out measure it not for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread under foot forty two months now what is the holy city Well, later on in this chapter, when you get up here to verse 8, speaking of the two witnesses, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. That's what literal Jerusalem is called. Well, what is the holy city? Look Look at Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews. Hebrews, then go to the ninth chapter. Hebrews, nine. Oh, excuse me, twelve, not nine, twelve. Go to twelve. Verse 22, for ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable company of angels and to the general assembly and church. That's heavenly Jerusalem, the church of the firstborn. I have a lot more to say about that, but I don't have time. Now let's go back over here. So they will tread underfoot and it's going to be, it's going to be the Gentiles will tread. It's talking about Gentiles who are not believers. Spiritually, we are spiritual Jews in spiritual Israel. A Jew is not outwardly, but of the heart. Circumcision is not outwardly, which was a sign of a Jew because it was given to Abraham, but of the heart. Circumcision, we're circumcised in the heart in the cutting off of sin. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. This is talking about the end. And I will give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days. There's been all this, all this, uh, confusion about who the two witnesses are. There's no confusion about it. The Bible tells you exactly who they are. In the next verse, it says, These are. It speaks of the two witnesses in the previous verse. Then it talks about these. These. The two witnesses are. Are. the two witnesses are anytime you have something is or something are you can take the word are out and put equals it has the same meaning these equal equal These equal, and then he tells you, these are the two olive trees. That's who the two witnesses are. They equal the two olive trees. The two olive trees, and we're going to find out who the olive trees are, and that's going to be at the end of time. These two are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. To stand before means to represent. They represent the God of the earth. I was in the courthouse one day years ago i don't know six or eight years ago lady said i see you on tv she's working there she said can you tell me what the two witnesses are i said ma'am i'll bring you a dvd and tell you exactly who they are and that's what i'm going to tell you and there's been more arguments about who they are and the reason there's been an argument is because of what it says on down there in verse 6. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Well, so many people say, so it sounds like Elijah. Elijah's coming back. Elijah's going to resurrect from the dead and come back. It's not Elijah. And have power over the waters to turn them to blood. And that must be Moses. No. No. It tells you who they are. It's the two olive trees that represent God and the earth. And people argue about oh, I think that's Enoch and Elijah. I think it's Elijah and Moses. It's not either one. It tells you these two are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. This is not the first time this is mentioned. You've got to go back to Zechariah, the fourth chapter and we'll see, and during the time of the 1260 days, these two witnesses are going to be, but it's a very figurative two witnesses, it doesn't mean two men, and look here, we've got to go back, first of all, we've got to go back, what are two witnesses for? They are biblically what verifies truth in the Bible. Go back to Nehemiah first. Nehemiah, the thirty-fifth chapter. And without understanding this, you'll never understand the true witnesses. As are in Nehemiah. The thirty-fifth chapter. not 35 excuse me I have lost not Nehemiah my number the 35th chapter what am I thinking of numbers the 35th chapter I do that from time to time I get something in my head numbers the 35th chapter numbers 35 and verse 30 Numbers thirty-five, thirty. Whoso killeth any person, the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses, but one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. It takes two honorable men. In our day and time, all you have to have is one drug dealer that wants to bring down one of the big cartel leaders and he can be a liar and a thief and a murderer and they'll get him in court alone and he can witness against this this big drug head and they can put him in prison for the rest of his life and they don't even have to be honorable now look at Deuteronomy 17 Deuteronomy 17 these this is what the bible says two witnesses are for They're to verify the word of God. So that's going to apply to the two witnesses of Revelation, the the 11th chapter. Verse 6, chapter 17, Deuteronomy. At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. One won't do it. The hands of the witnesses. Now this is very interesting. The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death. The hands of the one who saw the deed done. That's why Jesus said to the woman that was taken in adultery. He said, He that is without sin. He didn't say let him cast the first stone is not what he said he said let him first cast the stone you're the one that says you saw the the sin happen you first cast the first stone and if he was wrong if he was proven to be a liar he had to suffer the penalty himself that's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, let him that is without sin first cast the stone. Now, you've got to understand, they were supposed to bring the man with the woman so they could kill both of them. But you know what I believe Jesus wrote on the ground? This verse. The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death, and after the hands of the people, and so thou shalt put evil away from among you. Now let's look in the nineteenth chapter. Where did I get that about if a man was lying about his witness, he had to die verse fifteen nineteenth chapter. This is what the two witnesses in Revelation 11 is about. You think God out of the clear blue sky just picked out a number of two witnesses? No, it's in the scripture. Verse 15, chapter 19, Deuteronomy. One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin and any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses... Or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. You got two to three witnesses all through the New Testament. It's Jewish law. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, if he's lying... Then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priest and the judges, which shall be in those days. And the judges shall make diligent inquisition. They're going to stand there and grill these two pies. And behold, if the witness be a false witness, and he hath testified falsely against his brother, Then shall you do unto him as he thought to have done unto his brother. That's why the Pharisees threw their stones down and walked away saying this because they were wrong. They hadn't even brought the man. So they couldn't be trusted. This is the law of Israel. And this is where Jezebel declared her own death you remember the story over there in second kings or first kings where where ahab wanted this plot of ground close by his palace for a garden of herbs and the owner was naboth And he went to Naboth, but you have to understand in Numbers also, it was against the law to sell any of the land, and Israel had to stay among the tribe it was in. And Ahab went to Naboth and said, I'll give you even more than your land is worth. And Naboth said, I cannot do this in sin against God. It's against God's law for me to do that. So, Ahab went home, went to his bed, and started crying. <laughs> and Jezebel come in and says, "Hey, Ahab, what's wrong with you, big boy?" He said, "Naboth won't let me have his land, and he won't sell it to me, and won't trade it. I'll trade it for something that's more valuable, cause it's it's right close to my palace, and I can use it for a garden of herbs." and Jezebel says I'll get it for you so she goes out and gets two witnesses to testify against Naboth lying witnesses what she was doing was sealing her fate with God she got two lying witnesses she hired them to lie and she was the one that caused it all, so she was sealing her own fate when she got him to lie. And years later, 13 years later, she was killed by Jehu when he went up to the palace in, in northern Israel. And he told the eunuchs that were up there with her, throw her down, and, throw the woman down. And she was bleeding, and the dogs came and licked her blood like Elijah had prophesied. That's how important the two witnesses are. We don't have to have that in America. We just have to have one guy that wants to bring another one down now you've got that all through the Bible. You've got it over in in John eight seventeen look at john eight seventeen and I'll get back to John eight. I'll get to it in a minute. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says to them, 8 and 17, and he says to them, he's talking to the pharisees and he says jesus answered and said unto them in verse 14 though i bear record of myself yet my record is true for i know whence i came and whither i go but you cannot tell whence i come and whither i go you judge after the flesh i judge no man for if ye for yet if i judge my judgment is true but i am not alone But I and the Father that sent me. It is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. That's Jewish law. When you get to the 11th chapter of Revelation and you got two witnesses, you got to go to the Old Testament, pull the two witnesses out everywhere you have it over there. And that's law. And these have to be honorable men. If they're not and they lie, they have to die. Needless to say. Now, I've got several other verses in first Timothy five nineteen against an elder received not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. That's first Timothy five nineteen. Hebrews ten twenty eight. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. You think that's important? I guess it is. You want to know who the witnesses are at the end of time? Go to Zechariah, the fourth chapter. I'm going to show you who they are. Zechariah, that's next the last book of the Old Testament. All right, Zechariah four now remember the two witnesses let me just remind you so you hadn't gotten away from it over here and back in Revelation 11 back in Revelation 11 these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks so the two witnesses are two olive trees and Two candlesticks. Let me write the two candlesticks. So the two candlesticks equals the the two witnesses are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks. And the two witnesses are going to witness against the earth for twelve hundred and sixty days a time times and half a times and for three and a half years, three and a half years, and so forth. Now let's read this in this let's read this in the fourth chapter of Zechariah alright now Zechariah is prophesying around 520 BC 520 520 BC Israel is in captivity until 539 when Babylon is overthrown by Persia and the first decree was given in 538 to rebuild the temple the second in 520 to reaffirm that first decree and then in 556 or 456 excuse me approximately 456 B.C. that's when the third decree concerning the temple. And in 520, that's when the second decree was given, and that's when Zechariah's prophesy. Zechariah and Haggai's job was to tell the people, get busy building the temple. Now here in Zechariah, I keep flipping my Bible, in Zechariah 4, you see, In this fourth chapter, you see two olive trees. Oh, wait a minute, we ought to figure out who they are. They're the two witnesses. Two olive trees are the two candlesticks and the two witnesses. You see, Jim, this is confusing. We're talking about spiritual candlesticks and spiritual witnesses. The two olive trees in verse three You see a candlestick in verse 2. Behold, a candlestick of gold with a bowl upon the top, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven lamps to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. And the two other trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and one on the left side. So I answered and spake to the angel, That talked with me saying, What are these, my Lord? Same question out of Revelation 11, concerning the 1260 days. And said, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel talked with me and answered and said, Knowest thou not what these be? That question is asked over in Revelation 11 also. And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord, Unto Zerubbabel, you don't know who Zerubbabel is, Z-E-R-U-B-A-B-E-L. He is the governor, governor of Jordan region. He's over here, and he's governor of, uh, here is here's Babylon over here, and the Persians are living in Babylon. These are Persian kings. And Zerubbabel is the governor of this region. The reason he's the governor, he's in the lineage of Christ, and of Christ in Matthew the first chapter. He would have been king. I'll just put Zerub the R-U-B well A-B-E-L he would have been king if they'd allowed him to have king but they had shown that they were a rebellious nation so they were carried away into captivity so Arubabal would be king they had a king and they had a priest at that time there were two that were chosen to be chosen by God in Israel And the two were anointed. One was the priest. One was the king. And they were anointed with oil. And the priest at that time is not the Joshua that led Israel into into Canaan. But his name was Joshua. He's back there in verse 8 of chapter 3. Here now, Joshua, the high priest. The high priest was Joshua and the king was Zerubbabel. Very significant. You think they have anything to do with the two olive trees, with the two witnesses? Absolutely. Now let's read on. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. God says, I will not... Israel's in captivity in Babylon. God says, I'm not going to deliver him by a mighty army or by power. It'll be my spirit that goes to the mind of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes when I tell them, You have Israel go back home and build their temple. And then Artaxerxes gives the last decree. Tell them to go back and build their city. That's how it'll happen then let's keep reading who art thou O great mountain the great mountain was called Babylon remember the Bible says mountain I'm giving you some stuff that's pretty heavy mountain was a capital city of an empire capital city Babylon Babylon is called when you go to Jeremiah 50 51 just read through those chapters that's the destruction of Babylon destruction of Babylon but Babylon is it's a forever mountain until the end of time Babylon remember Babylon was the mother of all the idolatry in the earth Revelation 17 and 5 mother of idolatry so Jeremiah the 50 and 50 chapter God says Babylon is a proud mountain well how could that be Genesis 11 and 5 they said let us build a city and a tower and let us make us a name let us make us a name that's what Babylon was founded on she mothered all idol worship in the world on that so that's what her pride was when the Bible says Babylon has made the world drunk with a, with her pride, they've made the world drunk with pride, with the wine of her, her fornication. Her fornication was self. So Jeremiah 50 and 51 says she's a proud mountain, and I, God says I will make her a burnt mountain. A burnt mountain. And we find in Revelation, the 8th chapter, in Revelation the 18th chapter we find Babylon burning and that's at the end of time or should I say the end of 1260 days at the end of this great battle that's going to happen and the priest and the king are the two witnesses. Let me read that to you. The priest and the king, the Bible says so right here. Zechariah. Then you look down here at verse 10. Well, let's read 8 through 10. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house of God, the temple. His hands shall also finish it. He's the king. He's in the position of the king of Israel. If, they had a, if, if the Persians had allowed him have a king, he would have been it. You can read his name in that first chapter of Matthew when you read the lineage of Christ. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and see the plummet. That's a measuring line, a plumb line. In the hand of Zerubbabel, the man who would been king, with those seven candlesticks, they are the eyes of the Lord. I did a series on the eyes of the Lord and it is astounding which go run to and fro through the whole earth. I've got much to say on that. I can't say it right now. Then answered I and said unto him, Who are these two olive trees? That's the question out of the 11th chapter of Revelation, isn't it? Who are the two olive trees? He makes it plain and simple here. Upon the right side of the candlestick up on the left side the bible says the two olive trees gave oil to the lamp look here what he says And I answered again and said to him, what be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves and he answered me and said knowest thou not what these be and I said no my lord then he tells who they are. These two olive trees, these are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord. Oh wait a minute. Back to Revelation eleven. You gotta match Revelation eleven with Zechariah four. You cannot you cannot get away from it. Revelation 11 these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth in the fourth verse of the 11th chapter these said he these are the two anointed ones there were two anointed in the Old Testament priest and king who are they now? that stand by the Lord says the same thing that it says in verse 4 standing before the God of the earth representing God in the earth the priest and the king there were three that were anointed in Israel there was the priest and the king and the prophet the prophet was picked out by God he could come from any nation. Some say that Elijah, we don't know what a Tishbite was. Most people believe is that an Arab. Believe Elijah was an Arabian of some sort. But if you were a high priest of God, you had to be of the tribe of Levi. No other way. If you were a king in Israel, you had to be of the tribe of Judah. David was of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus was the Lion of Judah. Who is the priest and the king now upon the earth? That's the point. That's the two witnesses. Can you see that? Do you see it? That's the two witnesses. Well, let's look and see. Go over here to Revelation. Revelation, let's go back to the 11th chapter, oh, first chapter, let's go to the first chapter, excuse me, first chapter of Revelation, my Bible's coming apart, I'm going to have to get another, it's hard for me to turn the pages, i got Tape on the pages and glue on the pages. All right. First chapter of Revelation. It's talking about the seven churches in verse 4. And he says in verse 5 and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. now unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, that's a blood baptism, and hath made us kings and priests. We're the two witnesses. How are we kings? The king possessed righteous judgment. John seven twenty four says, Look not at the outward appearance, but judge righteous judgment, don't you decide who's the who is guilty or innocent when the Bible says, when the Bible says in matthew seven and one judge not it's not saying to judge it's saying it's not saying don't judge, judge not Anytime you start a sentence with a verb that shows action, there's an understood subject. Learn this in junior high school, I guess. You judge not. You judge not. Judge is the word crino. It means to decide guilty or innocent. Don't you decide who's innocent and who's guilty. How are you going to decide what's right? The Bible says in John 7, 24, don't look at the outward appearance. Judge righteous judgment. That's what God said to judge. He said, if you judge unrighteously, with what measure you meet, it will be measured to you again. And what judgments you judge, it will be judged to you again. If you judge unrighteously, you'll be judged unrighteously. So, that's what a king does. And how are we the king? Christ is living in us in the form of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's a verse over in John. Well, I'll give you one more verse on this. When it says, hath made us kings and priests, it's aorist indicative. That means it's past tense. We're already priests and kings. Past tense. And in Revelation 4, excuse me, 5, and verse 10, God hath made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth but we shall reign because we have reigned the Bible teaches all through here we have reigned, and we shall reign how are we kings we judge we tell truth how is Christ in us he's birthed in us look at John 16 look at John 16 I love this verse. I've never heard anybody say this the way it is. John 16. John 16. And notice this has to do with the, the time, time, and half a time, it's the twenty-four. Uh, that 42 months has to do with 1260 days and that's when the priest and king are are pronouncing the world guilty and there is a ramification to that there is something that the world does to us for that look here in verse 13 of chapter 16 of John howbeit when he The Spirit of truth has come. Where has He come to? In our hearts. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He comes in us. He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself. He won't say, Have you got the Holy Ghost? I got the Holy Ghost. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, hear akuo or hoop akuo remember obey is hoop akuo hoop means to hear under or be subordinate to so we have to be obedient to God but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak how will he hear With our ears. With the hearing ear and the seeing eye. The Lord hath made even both of them. So when the Holy Ghost hears. He lives in us. And it will come out our mouths. And that's how the witnesses will speak. The priest and the king. It will be the entire church as one body. And he will show you things to come. Now. Now let's go back over here to Revelation. So the two witnesses have to do with the time period of the seventieth week, don't they? It looks to me that's like what's going on in the world. We're winding down in this world to the end. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be wouldn't be surprised at all if the world starts coming to an end in the next 10, 15 years, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't end by 2036, 38, 2033, 35. I may not be alive. I would like to be alive when this starts happening. But I believe that we will have to pay with our life. Cause let's go back over here to Revelation. I have never heard anyone teach on this this way. I've never heard anybody who knew the two witnesses who they were. Not even have any idea. They just say, I mean they're gonna?" Uh, they're the two olive trees. They're the two witnesses. They're the two. They're the the two that declares. They're the priest and the king. And we've been declared to be priests and king. And when it says he hath made us, that word hath made is aorist indicative mood. You can look that up. You look hath made in the interlinear Bible, get the exact spelling and take a, an analytical accent and it will tell you it's aorist indicative, which means past tense. He's already made us priests. What does a priest do? If we are kings, we judge righteously, John seven twenty four. If we are priests, what we do, you cannot offer a sacrifice anywhere in the Bible unless you are a priest. He's made us priests. Well, let me give you a couple other verses. Let me give you this. Look here in... Look here in First uh, Peter. In First Peter, only well, not first Peter, second Peter. I keep. My Bible is all the pages are stuck together. Um, I got I got something on my mind. Oh, he says here in First Peter, the eighth chapter. I mean, the second chapter, and verse and verse nine. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That's what we are and holy nation of peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light. So if we're a priesthood, what kind of sacrifice do we make? Look at Romans 12. And we can't do this unless we're a priest. No possible way. Romans 12. Romans 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice you can't do that unless you're a priest nowhere in the Bible holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service reasonable is the word logikos l-o-g-i-k-o-s it's our word, logical. It's a logical thing to do is lay our life down for the Lord. Now let's go back to Revelation eleven. You can't answer something this difficult with a verse or two. It's it's like a it's like a mosaic. It's like a tapestry woven throughout the Bible. Now look at. What happens to these two, these two olive trees that are the two witnesses? They are the two, the two candlesticks, the two olive trees that all through the Bible, the type of oil is the Holy Spirit and out of the olive trees comes the oil and the, olive, the two olive trees is the two witnesses or it's the priest and the king and it's you and I. That's who it is. has to be us. There's no other answer to it now now go back over here and let's resume where we were reading and let me read four verse again, four again. these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks that stand before God of the whole earth. they stand and represent him as the priest of the temple of God of this temple and as the king Christ is in us living in us and what we speak is the Holy Spirit speaking what he hears and if any man will hurt these priests and king fire proceedeth out of their mouth you mean, you mean we become flamethrowers no let me tell you what the fire out of the mouth is go back to Exodus now, Jeremiah, the fifth chapter, excuse me. Jeremiah 5. This will tell you what fire out of the mouth of the priest and king is. Right here. Jeremiah 5 and verse 14. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, because ye speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire it'll be like fire it'll consume people and his people would and it shall devour them look over here in Jeremiah 23 you gotta connect Old Testament and New he's talking about false teachers in here And how they're going to be devoured by the word of God. Verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you, that make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart, and not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say still unto them that despise me, The Lord hath said, Ye shall have peace. That's what the false teachers are saying. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, No evil will come upon you, Israel. Don't you believe that? And then he says here in verse 27, These men which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal the prophet that hath dreamed let him tell a dream and he that hath the word let him speak my word faithfully what is the chaff to the wheat saith the Lord is not my word like as a fire saith the Lord like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces now you can go back to the 11th chapter and if he well i got to get another word in here in Acts the second chapter in Acts the second chapter it's talking about fire a tongue of fire upon these men it doesn't mean a flame over them like the Pentecostals have made it to be they make some tongue of fire let me erase some of this They call a tongue of fire. They take Acts 2. And they say a tongue of fire, a cloven tongue, and they make it cloven like this. They split it like that and make it red. That's not what it's talking about. A tongue of fire is always the same thing. It's a condemning tongue when you go to Acts 2. How much time do I have, Mike? Boy, I've covered a lot of territory here. Okay. In Acts 2, and they were gathered together in this house. It was filled with a mighty wind. It was the Spirit of God. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Cloven is the word diamerizo. D-I-A-M-E-R-I-Z-O It means petitioned off. The clovenness is not in this. It's in the petitioning off so that these Jews from every nation under heaven that speak all these different dialects they'll hear this man this man may be from Mesopotamia this one from Ethiopia this one from Rome and they're all Jews and they hear them speak and they have cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat or it hovered upon them it's talking about the tongue was speaking the truth to all these Jews from every nation under heaven so when you find tongues of fire that's what he's talking about It's not talking about this I didn't draw it very good the cloven part was like this let me make that red in here I still didn't draw it good enough now let's go back to Revelation 11 This is still at the time of the 1,203 score days. I want to show you how that the at the time of the end is the 70th week. Then he says, if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. Let me put it this way. The gospel will proceed out of their mouth and they'll be destroyed by the gospel, and devoureth their enemies, and if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed, it's not going to be fire that kills him, it's going to be the judgment of God that kills him, that comes out of the mouth of the priest and the king, the two witnesses, these have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over the waters to turn them to blood, This will be the judgment of God coming on earth. Right now, the waters are turning to blood. The fish are dying all over the world. You can go online, look up, uh, are the fish dying throughout the world? Uh, These scientists that keep count of this, I've looked this up, and fish of all kinds are dying and it's turning to blood and they have power over the waters to turn them to blood and it rained not in the days of their prophecy rain not means famine the economy has to do with famine we've got famine all over the world right now people are waiting for some, some prophet to come along like Elijah it's here and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will it's like Elijah. The Bible says in James, the fifth chapter, Elijah prayed that it would not rain for three and a half years. But that wasn't Elijah's idea. That was God's idea because they were going after all these idle gods. Elijah bowed to the will of God that it, that it rained not. Because prayer means to bow to the will of God. And then he says, When they shall finish their testimony, who's they? The priest and the king, the church, the committed church, in this two and a, two, in this three and a half years, this forty-two months, this at the end of time, the last half. At the last half, there's going to be peace. This is a fulfillment of Daniel nine twenty-seven. Daniel nine twenty seven let's look at that one more time this is a, that's what this twelve hundred sixty days is that's what the three and a half years is look at daniel nine twenty seven daniel nine twenty seven and the man of sin shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. He cannot confirm God's covenant which is found in the 24th verse to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. That's confirming the covenant. The way the man of sin will confirm it, he'll scourge the church for the last three and a half years of time. And he'll cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. That's exactly what Antiochus Epiphanes did in the Old Testament. And that's what the man of sin will do at the end of time. The sacrifice is you and I giving our bodies a living sacrifice. They'll cause that to cease. When we go out to witness to people and tell people, they say, sir, you can't do that anymore. We have political correctness in the world today we want everybody to get along that was the edict of toleration of Roman Catholicism of 312 AD all this goes together it's amazing how people can swallow all of this that's the idea of time, time and half a times in Daniel the 8th chapter or Daniel the 7th chapter at the end of it where that they'll change times and laws and that's what they're doing today they're changing the times and laws it's it's not against the law to for homosexuals to marry anymore that's okay homosexuality is an altered lifestyle but being a good christian and being contained in Christ and wanting to live righteous and godly—that's something that people laugh at. Now that's changing times and laws, and that's going to be during the time period of a time, time and half a times. That's where we're headed to right now. And I was going to give you something. Oh, Daniel nine twenty-seven. The man of sin shall confirm the covenant with many for one week by beating them all the way to the end. And in the midst of the week, in the midst of the seven years, he shall cause the sacrifice in this temple, giving our bodies a living sacrifice. And the oblation was the bread offering. And Paul said, we being many are one bread and one body. The bread is the word of God. We're outlawing you getting on radio and TV and saying these things that God doesn't love everybody. Christmas is pagan. Easter is pagan. You can't do that anymore, Jim Brown. He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease for the overspreading of abominations. It will be an abominable thing throughout the church even unto the consummation and that determined what's determined the seventy sevens shall be poured out upon the desolate now let's go back over here to the eleventh chapter of revelation when they shall have finished their testimony marturia m-a-r-t-u-r-i-a talking about the two witnesses Talking about the priest and the king. Talking about the committed church to Christ. M-A-R-T-U-R-I-A. That is the word testimony. A testimony is where you give your word in a court and you end up with martus. That is the word witness. When these two witnesses, the priest and the king, the two olive trees, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit, the beast ascends from the bottomless pit, the beast was Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, will ascend out of In the Old Testament, the beast descended out of the... No one knew anything about God except Israel. And they were on the eastern end of the Mediterranean. This is the sea that the Bible talks about. The beast was Babylon, right where Iraq is. Persia, right where Iran and Pakistan is and Afghanistan Persia overthrew Babylon, Greece overthrew Persia, and Rome overthrew Greece. And it was all on the sea, and the beast rises up out of the Mediterranean Sea. But the beast at the end of time, the beast was always a world-ruling system. The beast at the end of time will be the same thing as the beast has always been. It will be a world-ruling, world-ruling system. It will be a one world order be a new world order as Mr. Bush said one day and it shocked me when he said we're going to have a new world order I went whoo a new world order will be the beast but something happens to these this is a collection of all the believers this priest and king it's us I believe I'll have to if I live long enough, if I live into that time, I'll have to give my body a literal sacrifice. And I don't mind doing that. I'll go be with the Lord. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street well the sins out of the bottomless pit, bottomless pit, sauce. comes from bathos meaning a place of great knowledge and the alpha privity negates the word means no knowledge that's taught, and the beast here was a literal beast and everybody all over the world had no knowledge of God except Israel and the only people that will have it in this that day and time Will be those who have god's law written on fleshy tables of our hearts we're the only ones that will have it this seems like real difficult but it's not if you know the definitions can you see that i believe we're headed towards the end of all things now these let me read on because it's really interesting Their dead bodies shall lie in the street of that great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. It's not just talking about literal Jerusalem. It's talking about a literal Jerusalem treated Christ and the apostles this way. It'll be a spiritual Jerusalem worldwide, and he calls it Sodom and Egypt. It's not the holy city that he previously talked about in here. The holy city is the church. We're heavenly Jerusalem. The church and their dead body shall lie in the street of the great city spiritually called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. So it's equating the the Jerusalem of this world with a Jerusalem that crucified Christ and the apostles and killed them. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see the dead bodies of the church, of those who are willing to stand up, three days and a half. It says three days and a half. That is half of seven. I believe that's a figurative term for three and a half years, which is the length of the 70th week. But watch what happens to the church, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. That was an abomination in the first century. Israel would not let a dead body be out of a grave. Remember, I said that when they went out to repair the roads they if they found a dead body, they were told to bury the body and put a Stone over it and painted white sep- whited lime, and they called it a whited sepulchre and let's read on, and they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them over who over the death of the church in these last three and a half years, and make merry and shall send gifts to one another, because these two prophets. The priest and the king tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Now here's what's amazing is verse 11. After three days and a half, the spirit of life, this is us being taken out to meet the Lord in the air. The spirit of life from God entered into the church. This would be a post-tribulation rapture at the end of time Are we going to go through trials yes sir when you look at these crazy people on TV you look at that Ellen DeGeneres the degenerate one I mean just gets me she's a homosexual her wife is a homosexual they're both women they're Lesbians, and when somebody decides to come out out of the closet and reveal their homosexuality, her audience goes yay, like it's a good thing. They're calling good evil and evil good, like Isaiah said they would. I don't know if people realize how close this thing is getting. It's getting really bad. This is not even the world that I was raised in in the 1940s as a little boy. Not even close to it. We are... I've never seen anything like happening today. Never. I'm 82 years old. I'll be 83 next May. Never seen nothing like this. Never. Everything was somewhat innocent in the 50s, then when this hippie movement started in the 60s, everybody started doing what they wanted to do. But this God is all behind all of this. You have to understand that. Now, let's keep reading. After three days and a half, the spirit of the life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them and they heard a great voice from heaven saying, Come up hither! I believe that's a fulfillment of the fourth chapter of First Thessalonians. We which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not go before those that are asleep. But the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Can it can't be a preacher of rapture. The word shout is kaluo. It means a war cry. How can that be a preacher of rapture? What's Jesus doing in the quietness of the world, making a war cry? And and he says, "We which are alive and remain." Rename, remain is a word that means to survive. Survive a great slaughter we which are alive and remain, not not we're remaining by walking around, we are surviving this great onslaught that the world beast system brings against us. Something else. Do I have any time, Mike? Seven. Let me keep reading this. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying to them, Come up hither, And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour there was a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. Talking about Babylon. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were frightened and gave glory to the God of heaven. And the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. This is talking, of this 11th chapter, when the 1260 days, the 42 months, it's talking about that's when the prince, that's when the king and the priest, which is the church, is going to witness to the world, and we're going to be stopped physically and laid dead in the streets. I believe we've got something coming that people cannot imagine look back over there at 1st Thessalonians 1st Thessalonians this is talking about the coming of the Lord when we stand up on our feet and go to meet him in the air 1st Thessalonians the 4th chapter I love this the 4th chapter I quoted most of it But he says, But I would not have you ignorant. Verse 13. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you saw not even as others which have no hope. But if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus, to be asleep meant to be dead spiritually, uh, be physically dead, but be spiritually with the Lord. Sleep was a term given to believers who died in the Lord. When Jesus said, Lazarus sleepeth, the apostle said, well, if he's asleep, he'll be okay. And Jesus said, Lazarus is dead. And he called him from the dead. Then he says, for this we say unto you, that by the word of the Lord, we which are alive and remain, I forgot to give you that, perilepa, P-E-R-I-L-E-I-P-O. That means to survive. Survive the great slaughter of the church. We were to alive and survive unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent. It means to go before those who are dead in Christ. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, Kaluo, war cry, all the pre-trib rapture people use this, these verses to say, say it's going to be a quiet coming of the Lord, and they don't even understand, just define the word remain, and define the word shout, and it can't be a silent coming, it's a war cry, some of us will have to die, but, are we the only ones that would have to die? What about the apostles? Did they die? Well, death was ordained for them. James the Great, James the son of Debbie was led to the place of martyrdom. His accuser was brought to was brought to repent of his conduct. He received the crown of martyrdom alone. Hence, they were both beheaded at the same time the man that accused him repented of it. Philip was scourged and thrown into prison afterwards is crucified in a d fifty four Matthew suffered martyrdom being slain with a halberd, which was a club in the city of nadaba a d sixty James the less was elected to the oversight of the churches of Jerusalem. I brought that out in Acts, the 15th chapter. The author of the epistle ascribed to James in the sea, the sacred canon. At the age of 94, he was beat and stoned by the Jews. Finally had his brains dashed out with a fuller's club. You mean we're not supposed to go through this? Matthias... He was stoned at Jerusalem, then beheaded. Andrew, the brother of Peter, on his arrival at Edessa, he was taken and crucified on a cross, and the two ends of which were fixed traversely in the ground, hence the derivation of the term St. Andrew's Cross. Like that. Mark, supposed to have been converted, Christianity by Peter Mark was dragged to pieces by the people of Alexandria at the same solemnity of Serapis their idol ending his life under their merciless hands he was supposed to be hanged on an olive tree by the idolatrous priests of Greece Simon surnamed Zelotus, preached the gospel in Maritania, Africa, and in Britain, in which latter country he was crucified. John, the beloved disciple, was brother to James the Great in the churches of Smyrna, Pergamos, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. From Ephesus he was ordered to be sent to Rome, where it is affirmed that he was cast into a cauldron of burning oil and he escaped by miracle without injury. Domitian afterward banished him to the Isle of Patmos, where he wrote the Book of Revelation. Nerva, the successor of Domitian, recalled him. He was the only apostle who escaped violent death, and I don't believe he did, because Jesus said to him and James, him and John, "Can you be baptized with the baptism I, I baptized with? Can they drink the cup that I drink of?" And they said, yes, and he said, both of you will, you'll die the death. Barnabas was of Cyprus, but of Jewish descent. His death is supposed to take in place about A.D. 73. The church daily increased deeply rooted in doctrine and the apostles of men apostolically, apostolical and water plenteously with the blood of the saints. I believe it's going to happen soon. And i tell you what, I look forward to it. I just assumed they'd get on with it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. Above everything, help us, Lord. We need strength. The church needs strength. Help us to do the things that we need to do and say the things that we need to say and fight our battles for us. We believe you will. Lead us to your elect in Christ's name. Amen. That's kind of scary, isn't it? It's going to happen. Besides that, most of us are going to die soon anyway, aren't we? We are. We're going to die soon. I know I will. I, I can't live to be 92. That's just 10 years down the road. That's not quite 10 years. About nine and a half. And the last nine years seems like it has flown by. We huh? him or, or it don't matter. I don't really care. How it happens, I want to stay here for the church. I feel like Paul I have a desire to part and be with Christ. I've never wanted to go be with the Lord like I do now, but it's more necessary for the church that I remain. That's what Paul said. And I, I really want to be here for the church because I don't believe there's any churches, preachers preaching this way. They don't want to tell people how tough it's going to be. They want to tell them how good your life's going to be by trusting in Jesus. You're not supposed to have a good life by trusting in Jesus. You're supposed to have a tough life by trusting in Him.